the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let, our, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us. And today the church celebrates that cloud of witnesses, not one particular saint or another, but the whole multitude of people that God has brought to salvation, to his heavenly kingdom. And it's celebrated and depicted in our reading from the book of Revelation is this vast array of people, not just a few, but a lot. And I think this is, you know, essentially what happens in, in the making of a saint is that God completes the purpose that he begins with the incarnation. And St. Athanasius says, God became man that men might become God. That the goodness that God has just because of who he is, he wishes to give us by grace. And that's the calling, that's the essence, that's the heart of Christian life. And I think it's also the key to understanding the Christian view of death. There's a Catholic uh, author and writer, uh, Mark Shea, and he has this great quote which I've always loved. He says, death is the last impregnable fortress against our pride, the last reminder that sin cannot win, that our power is not eternal, that God is not mocked. It is also by the grace of that same God, no longer a hole, but a door. Our salvation has been won precisely through the death of the body that Mary of Bethany anointed. It was that body and no other that was raised from death in glory, and which is now the means by which God mediates his eternal life to us in the sacrament of Jesus' body and blood. And thinking about death, though, is, is useful because it forces us to ask the question, what, what is the purpose of our lives? What are we aiming at? What's the horizon that we're looking towards? What is the measure that we use for success, for good days and bad days? And death clarifies that, I think, in some way. I think it, it puts all of life into its, its proper perspective. And that preparation for death is, I think, so important. I don't think it's an accident that uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, now Saint Teresa of Calcutta, uh, one of the first projects that she initiated in the slums of uh, Calcutta uh, when she was beginning her ministry amongst the poorest of the poor was she started a house for the dying. And so she'd go around the streets of Calcutta and, and find these discarded people whose families, they didn't have a family or the family wouldn't support them for whatever reason. And they were literally just dying on the streets. And so she'd take them and she'd bring them to the house for the dying and feed them and bathe them and, and care for them until they, until they passed. And her idea was that in their final moments, in their final days, if they got this small taste of what the love of God looked like, that would transform them and would prepare them for the full vision of God's glory in heaven. That little bit of love here and now. 
And that's part of the calling of Christian life, not just to prepare ourselves for death, but to prepare others, to give them some kind of small taste of that. I remember a story that um, Bishop uh, Fulton Sheen told. He was a famous uh, TV personality for decades. He was, um, for a long time, he, was one of the mo- he had one of the most popular shows on American television, which was basically just a bishop lecturing before an audience for a half hour. And um, yeah, believe it or not, that was the most popular show on TV for a long time. Uh, by the way, he, he told a joke about his TV ratings once. He said, you know, when people commented on how popular the show was, he said, well, you know, we, uh, we did a survey. We, we called 800 men and we asked them, what are you listening to right now? And 795 of them said, my wife. <laughs> but anyway, um, there was this one time he was on a plane. And uh, as he was uh, on this flight, he saw this beautiful flight attendant, like drop-dead, gorgeous woman. And he, and he saw her coming down the aisle, and he, so he pulled out one of his cards And he said to her, if you want to do something with your life, give me a call. And he said in that moment, I I had this vision. And I had this picture of her joining Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity and serving in the home for the dying so that these people, as they lay dying, they would have this vision of beauty and taking care of them and loving them. And that would prepare them for heaven. And she called him, and she joined the missionaries. Many years ago, one of St. Thomas Aquinas' Dominican brothers asked him, Thomas, what do I have to do to be a saint? And he was someone who was known in his lifetime as, as immensely holy, you know, um, so much so that, that when he died, he died in a Benedictine monastery, and... Um, they would, not, they would not release his body to the Dominicans for burial. They kept it. They wanted the relics. Uh, and it, I think it took a papal edict uh, to get his body back. And, um, uh, you know, because he was held in such high, high esteem. And so this brother asked St. Thomas Aquinas, what do I have to do to be a saint? And St. Thomas said, will it? Will it? Choose to be a saint. And that means, that choice to will to be a saint means a choice to choose every day to try and serve God as best we can. Knowing that we're not going to completely succeed. That's what scripture says. The just man falls seven times a day. What about the rest of us? No numbers given, but it's probably high. The just man falls seven times a day. But the saints persevere. That's the key characteristic. Day by day, choosing to prepare for their death and preparing for their death in a way that has eternity in its sight. And so there's, I think that's one of the the key ingredients that if the goal is heaven to realize that every day is a day of of preparation for that and that there are little choices, hundreds of little choices that we can make each day to further that end, to get us a little bit closer Part of that is doing good works, loving our neighbor, asking what's the good we, we can do. And the, other, and the flip side is, where have we failed? And how can I make that right 
I'll leave you with the words of one of your peers, a Hope student who uh, emailed me this week um, asking for confession. I won't, names will not be given to protect the guilty. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it had one of the greatest subject lines of, of any email I ever received. And so she wrote in the email subject line, I'm a sinner and I want to fix that. 